Hello and welcome to Talking Transatlantic with Talina Kapari in the United States of America. And in the UK, we have Richard Wilson. <laughs> so this is the podcast where we just talk across the Atlantic, hence the name. How's it been the past week, Talina? Well, if you've seen the news, it's a little crazy in my country, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about something a little more lighthearted. Well, <laughs> yes. How much more can we talk about coronavirus protests, as important as it is? But we... <laughs> time and a place. Time and a place. Time and a place. But today is going to be uh, a little more amusing and uh, <laughs> fun. So let's start with our guest who I'm going to introduce is an upcoming actor, Kevin Brody, and he's from New Jersey as well. Not that I'm from New Jersey, but we both are in New Jersey right now. And he just had a film out on demand called Fifth Borough, and he is one of the actors that will be starring in the mob TV series in my town called K-Town, which is about Kenilworth, and we can elaborate on that more. And he has a, a very interesting story to tell. So, Kevin, thank you for coming on our show. Hey, good to see What's you. What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yay. So, there's lots to talk about with you, Kevin. Um, so, why don't you tell us about your last film that just came out? Yeah. So, uh, this is going back about two years, which usually the turnaround time on film is not as long. I ran into a couple hiccups terms of like distribution. So originally um, I've been working closely with this platform similar to Instagram in the style that it's set up. It's called Clap It. And oh, basically it gives, yeah, it gives an opportunity to, uh, you know, people starting out, struggling actors, actresses, a chance to just showcase their talent on the social media realm. And so once a week, there's two auditions posted. You'll put up a 20 second improvised clip it's crowdsourced, so people vote by clapping, you know, or you know, similar to liking a post online. And uh, so generally, is it like a clapometer? Yeah, pretty much a meter that shows, you know, who's the most popular, who, um, who the community feels is kind of gaining ahead as the days go by. Each open call is the length is usually about a week to ten days. They'll keep it open, and then after that, a time frame closes down. Um, the people who are left, so the top five females, the top five males, those videos get sent directly to the director of the project, and then he'll decide who he wants to cast in that specific role. Isn't that interesting? I never heard of it before, Richard. Until yeah, so we're still in the phase. we're still in the beta phase right now. We're do, we're trying to we're aiming for hard launch, uh, probably around January, right right up uh, on the cusp of the new year, and. Um, you know, the CEO, she she's actually originally from Australia. So she's trying to, like, come over to the States and kind of introduce this new thing. Just, to, you know, help out the, with the American TV film industry, just getting people a chance to, you know, live their dream, get on set, do their thing. And uh, so the, the audition actually had come up through there. And the big buzz was that this was a film going to Netflix. So this was, like, the biggest project they had acquired, you know, over the course of a year or two since they were in this beta phase. And, uh, you know, I auditioned and I, I happened to win, which was crazy because my video actually came in fifth place. <laughs> I wasn't actually in first. And I was under the impression that you had to come in first to win. 
But this to be a lesson to any struggling actor, actress, you know, anyone in the entertainment world, um, you know, your goal with auditions is not always to book the job. You know, you want to go in, you know, make a statement, create an impression, be remembered. You know, you, you want to have some sort of impact leaving the room because, you know, chances are a couple months later, someone might call you, even though you didn't get that thing. You know, you might be suitable for the next project that they're working on. They'll call you back in. Then maybe you book that. So, you know, you can't psych yourself out. And it's like, I, you know, I got to get this. I got to get this. I did really want it. Of course, you know, like I'd be lying if I said I didn't because of all the all the hype and everything going on. So when I finally got the call saying that I was cast in it, um, you know, I was just over the moon. I was like, this is unbelievable that, you know, in a matter of 10 days, I had this whole experience. I mean, there were like hundreds of people. I mean, it, the, the app literally crashed because <laughs> it was so, you know, overpopulated with people trying to get their video up and get a chance at being involved in this. And so, you know, that t seven to 10 days, was just like absolutely crazy day in and day out. I'm counting down the minutes, the hours of, I'm, you know, I'm in first, I'm in second, I'm in third, I'm in fourth, you know, I'm in fifth, I'm in sixth, I'm back to fifth. Like it just kept changing day to day. And uh, so super appreciative of everyone that supported that. So within, I guess, the following two weeks after I got it, I was literally on set filming the movie, which That's is wow. like the, turn yeah, the turnaround time is, is unbelievable. That's fantastic. Can you get other people to vote for you or they have to be on Clop It? So it's not like um, a social media contest, for example. No, it's so as of right now, the way it's set up, you do need an account to interact and kind of like be involved okay, so in the it's community. Legit. So it's not like yeah, how many yeah, you don't, you don't have. have to be an aspiring actor or actress to be a part of it. You can you can go on as a viewer, as someone who just enjoys uh -huh. You know, watching film and TV and, you know, seeing the behind the scenes of what it takes for an actor to put together their self tapes and, you know, just watch all the work that kind of goes on behind the scenes with that, uh, which is which is interesting. You know, I'm, I'm very fascinated by the entire process and journey, you know, not so much just the end result, because if, if that's your main focus, you'll, you'll drive yourself insane. But <laughs> you can't, you know, there's a lot of things about this you just can't control. So you do what you can within your means. And you know, you hope for the best. It's preparation meets opportunity, a little bit of luck. And, you know, if it all comes together, then it works out, which, you know, fortunately for me, it did. So we filmed for about, uh, I was on set for about two weeks. Um, I think overall it took a couple of months to actually shoot the whole thing. And then we went into uh, post-production. And the reason why it kind of got a little hazy with that was originally it was set up as a Netflix original. So in, in that sense, Netflix kind of controls everything that has to do with getting it to their platform the day of launch. And I guess uh, in their agreement, they didn't, they didn't uh, exactly follow up on, on their uh, original deal. So what they had to do instead was, as we just mentioned when you introduced me, that it's going to go on demand cable first. And, you know, try to generate a um, little bit of income. You know, you rent, you buy, you know, you're trying to build. There's a lot of money that goes into these projects. You're trying to get a return on it. Uh, once that's settled, uh, then it moves to other platforms like Hulu, Apple Plus, you know, Apple TV Plus, um, Amazon Prime, Netflix, all that stuff. So it, it eventually does go to these platforms. But for the way that this was structured for this particular project, we kind of did it a little bit different. Um, but yeah, no, shout out to Steve Stanulis, great guy, great director, very talented, loved working with him. Rest of the cast and crew was awesome. Um, you know, it was just, it was just an awesome experience because you, you think how lucky you are 
you know, a lot of people tend to settle in life and to find something that you really love to you know, enjoy doing that you get a chance to do it, you know, whether this works out in the long run or not, just very thankful for every experience I've had up until this point so far. So, you know, definitely, definitely uh, a dream come true. Uh, it, awesome. what's, so it's called, right? This is, I'm gonna, no, no, the film, I'm going to use it because I've got a British accent. I'm going to call it Fifth Borough. But what would you say, Burrow? Burrow. Burrow. It's because what did you, because because we met in, in uh, studying in Edinburgh, or as Talina would call it. No, Edinburgh. I said Edinburgh. No, the Americans who don't know say Edinburgh, because that's what ah. they think. They don't know. <laughs> Edinburgh. Listening who wants to travel. Just speaking like a local. <laughs> um, <laughs> So tell us about it, Kevin. What, what's it? What's it about? Yeah, so it follows a story of a father uh, used to be a police officer. He's come out of retirement. Uh, he's trying to better his life, better his family's life. Um, his daughter gets sick, so you know a lot of pressure on the family, just in terms of like emotional, mental state. Um, and he's basically put in a bind. He's he's not making the money he used to make. He. Um, you know, he can't afford the medical bills. He, he doesn't know what to do. I mean, his daughter is his life. Um, you know, partially his marriage is kind of suffering because of everything else that's going on around him. So he's trying to find a quick fix. And that results into him reaching out to an old group of friends who were kind of involved in organized crime. He gets caught up in, you know, so, some not so great situation. I, you know, I don't want to give too much away. But uh, basically, no he's, he's racing, yeah, he's, he's racing the clock to try and save his daughter's life at, at whatever cost he can. So um, Fifth Borough is now on demand at the moment. Yes, yeah, on demand cable. So, you, you know, Verizon Fios, DirecTV, all that good stuff, whatever your provider is, uh, you just punch in Fifth Borough on the search bar and uh, it should right. pop up. So can I yeah. watch this on Netflix here in the UK yet, do you think? So it, the turnaround time for that might be a couple more weeks. I know Netflix is probably, since they're the largest platform, will be the one of the last. I think from right now, what I was told, it's going to be on demand for about a few weeks just to ride out and see. Right now, it's it's in the top 10 movies uh, just released. So it's it's doing pretty well right now. It's got like a 8.59 out of 10 on uh, IMDb reviews. Um, so people are enjoying it, which is awesome. Um but yeah, so it's going to go from there, I think, to Hulu and Amazon Prime first, and then Netflix will kind of be like the last tail. And I'm not too familiar with the distribution end of things. I know that's just like a business tactic or a business thing that, you know, was decided outside of my realm of like what I provided for the film. But um, but yeah, so eventually, you know, maybe I can come back on, plug it again. You know, we'll do something else with that. But uh but yeah, so as of right now, it's just kind of like we're waiting. Well, we so, hope to check it out, Kevin. So that's yeah, exciting. I'll be watching. Who, which you, what's your character called? So my I play Andre, and he is a Russian mobster. And I work for this one organized crime boss who uh, takes over one of the boroughs. You know, that's the title, Five Boroughs. Oh, yes, yes. Borough. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and we we kind of cross paths with um, this group of friends that the main character, you know, has, has known for quite some time. And we, you know, we're trying to extort, we're trying to take back what's ours. Um, obviously it doesn't go as planned, not very smooth. So it is some, some action in there. 
definitely one of those opportunities where I could really come out of my, my shell and like play something that's totally opposite of me, which I love roles like that. I, I aspire to be a character actor. I want to play anyone other than myself. I'm, you know, I want to hide in the makeup and, and all that stuff. That is fantastic, Kevin. And um, we will definitely check that out. So now we are going to move on to a new subject, <laughs> which will be interesting, but will make sense in a couple minutes. <gasps> Scientology. <laughs> oh yeah, tell, tell us all because about this. Kevin <laughs> actually has a great story about uh, acting and Scientology and the means behind it. So first of all, Scientology is uh, quite big in LA. I would say not so much, not that big in the UK, right, Richard? Or um, yeah, don't have too many sides. It's not really. It's not. It's not a thing over here. So. Kevin told me the story, which I want him to tell all our listeners about uh, you were filming because the biggest Scientologist church is in Los Angeles and you were filming a movie. So, yeah, I was, so I was under the impression that I had seen the building before. Um, one of my all time favorite actors is Tom Cruise. So there's, there's the connection right there of the interest mm-hmm. that, um, I have to say there, there, um, plan i mean i don't know how you would really describe it but like their approach to the public and how they um present themselves i mean it's very well done like you know like i i'm well aware that there's a lot of um uncertainty and negativity attached to it but it still doesn't it's not enough to take away my curiosity which is like you know the big thing with them like oh you know you're curious come on in like see what we have to offer and so uh i was in los angeles shooting a commercial and I had a day off and I was just, you know, I was walking around Hollywood and, uh, you know, I pulled up my phone. I was like, I wonder how close this building is. You know, I'm going to go check it out and see what it's all about. So I pulled my phone, ordered an Uber. It was like five bucks down the road. Pull up. Here's this big blue building. And it's, you just, I don't really know how to describe it, but you get this like weird vibe. Like, at, like it's like when I, in my mind, I'm imagining like late at night, just like, hundreds of workers like clipping the grass with their bare hands like like strand for strand like i mean the grass is like so perfect so the 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 street is so clean the building is so clean like it's like too good to be true it looks fake it looks like a movie set so i was like you know i'm gonna go inside and check it out first thing i noticed when i enter it's like below freezing in there like I, i mean like i instantly had like a migraine it was so cold in the building i was like this is very odd so you walk around, they have all these like modules where you could sit down and watch like introduction videos and whatnot. And I'd say le- you have less than three minutes before you're going to be approached by someone. I mean, they can tell right away, like, you know, if you're, if they've never seen you before, if you look like a tourist, you know, that sort of thing. So of course someone approaches me and, you know, I'm very hesitant because it's like, I don't really want to get involved. I just want to see what it's all about. Take it with a grain of salt you know, move on with my day. You know, I had other things to do and and work later in the week. So, you know, I wasn't planning on staying, like staying there for hours on end. So anyway, this girl, you know, she's very good at communicating, convinces me to come up to the front and fill out a form. So I'm like sweating now because I'm like, I have to fill out information. I can't write my, my real name, my real address. And so I'm thinking in my mind, I'm building this alter ego. I'm trying to use it as an acting exercise. I'm like, okay, like, I need a new name. I need a new location, new story, new background. I get to the front of the desk. All that goes out the window because the next woman I start dealing with is the host on the Scientology network. 
I, re- I recognize her from television and I start fanboying. I'm like, oh my God. And she's laughing. She's like, what? I was like, I, I feel like I know you. I've seen you somewhere. She's like, yeah. She's like, I do a lot of work on the Scientology network. I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, this is so cool. So as I'm talking to her, she's, they're making me fill it out while they're speaking to me. So it's, uh, it's hard for me to like, I'm answering their questions while trying to fill I wrote down my real name. I was like, uh-huh. no, why did I do that? So I'm like trying to cross it I'm surprised it out. you got out of the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like change it last minute. And then they could tell. I mean, they knew, you know, because they asked me like, so why, what's the reason you're here? And I was just like, Tom Cruise, love Tom Cruise. Like he's the man. I, you know, I want to I see what this is all about. Anyway, fill out the form. I talked to them for a little bit. They set me up with a meeting in the back. Uh, kind of, it's like a cubicle setup. So you sit down and they basically make you take this like personality quiz or personality test or something. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of questions. It's a, you're, you're timed, you know, you, there's a woman sitting there who's like, you know, if you have any questions or need help, they'll, they'll aid you. So I go through it. She takes the form, she gets up, she goes, like, I'm assuming puts it in some computer to grade it or something comes back and uh, she goes, all right. She's like, I got the results and, you know, I got good news and I got bad news. And I was like, what, what could possibly, what, you know, it's a bad news. Like I just met these people. Like what, what did they really find in this test? that could be so <laughs> terrible. So she goes, the good news is, is uh, we can help you. <laughs> like, like you can help me with what? Like I didn't even know there was a problem. And she goes, the bad news is you're severely depressed. And you need help immediately. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is funnily enough. Like, I'm like <laughs> laughing while I'm speaking to. Like, I'm in a great mood. I, like, I'm in LA. I'm shooting a commercial. I'm. I got a day off. I'm just enjoying myself. Like, I'm in the best mood I could possibly be in. And she, this woman's now telling me I'm depressed. So, the next step is you have to go in and take it. They call it an e meter where you're basically, it's two, um, two metal uh, cylinders and they're hooked up to wires and it goes on to this. It's like a lie detector test, essentially. But what they do is they ask you certain questions that the answers require you to reveal something about yourself, about your personal life. And what I've come to know after, and thank goodness I never went through this step, um, is that this is a technique that's used to pretty much blackmail you. They want to get all the dirt, get all the information. The meetings are recorded. They're videotaped. Basically, they want to get as much on you as they can. And once you actually join, basically turn around and say, hey, you know, like, remember when you told us this? Okay, for that, you need to do, you know, these service requests. You need to attend these meetings. You know, it's just like you're now, you have them over your head, basically telling you what to do constantly in order to, um, better yourself in order to release this negativity and, you know, improve your quality of life. It's a very weird kind of trick and gimmick that they use. So uh, that was the next step for me. They tried to take me, they wanted me to attend like a four hour seminar. I pretended that my agent called me and I had to go outside and take the call. I sprinted down the street. I jumped from <laughs> the first tab I could find. I mean, and they followed you. Oh, they, people like came outside and they, you know, they were trying to follow me. I'm like, I, I can't do this. So I ran outside. I got in the car. I left. Um, I got some pretty sweet pictures, though, of the building, which was cool. Uh, but, yeah, so it was just totally bizarre, which is funny because fa- fast forward to the quarantine now. I, I mean, I'm running out of things to do. I ended up 
uh, online from a uh, previous member, I bought the book. And so now I'm reading the book and, you know, people don't understand, like when I try to talk about it with other people, they, they automatically assume you're insane. You've lost your mind. I, I'm in it for the self-help aspect. Like I, I don't view it as a religion. I don't view it as, you know, what current members do or what society is like portraying it as. I'm just trying to see if there's any little bits and pieces of information I can use to kind of just as a motivational technique, as a, you know, especially in this industry of entertainment, I mean, you, you get turned down so many, like it is just so rare when you get a yes and it's constant denial and neglect and, you know, and you're putting all this time and effort and work into something that you love so dearly and you take it personally sometimes and it has an effect on you mentally, physically, Mm -hmm. you know, you go through the motions. Like, it's like for me, like sometimes like six months on six months off, I fall into this not depressed state, but you know, you're down on your luck. Like you're, you're working so hard and you're not seeing any progress. You're not seeing any results. So it's like, you want to feel like you could look to something or, you know, in, in my sense, you know, research other things that kind of give you new perspective and pull you out of that and say, you know what? Okay. I'm not where I want to be right now, but it's not about where I am. It's about where I'm going. And if I can somehow use these tools, man manipulate these tools in my favor and use that to work towards, you know, bettering myself as a person and a performer, then it's only a matter of time before I do get to that point. So, so I think that's what people. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm. I thought it was like three chapters in, and it turns out I just finished the introduction. So it's like 800 pages long. The first chapter is like literally explaining the proper way to read it. Apparently, if you don't finish it in 20 hours, you got to reread it. It's like it's just ridiculous. It's 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 very 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 strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, but very, very fascinating. And without giving too much away, it kind of gave me the idea for a script. So there possibly might be a, um, a film adaptation of, of all the, uh, the things that I've learned so far in this, because uh, definitely a fan of the sci-fi kind of action thriller genre. So I feel like there's a couple of things I could utilize in, uh, in creating an original idea. So you never so know, you know. Do you think you'll end up back down the temple then? Will you ever go back? <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. I, I think once was enough. So you're writing uh, a show, are you then? The, the, um, the Kate the, House. The Kate. So is, yeah. is this, are you, I mean, is this because you want to express yourself as a writer? Is it because it's a really good way of generating work for yourself as an actor to write it? It's, it's, a bit it's funny. That, that's it's that's funny a good question, how... Richard. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I might Wait, as well put myself a role. <laughs> it yeah. be Matt, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck star, didn't they? Writing their own yeah. movie. Yeah. And... Yeah. Well, yep. Oh my God, I forgot the movie. Good Will Hunting. They wrote that. Yes. yes. Robin Williams. Um, yeah. Pretty sure they won Oscar that year. They did. Which is wild. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny you say that because um, that was definitely an aspect to it. It was definitely part of it. That was more of, which this kind of sounds silly, but it was more of an afterthought. So the original idea was born through, I had worked closely on a project with a, a friend of mine, Billy Hartman, who he, he's involved with it. Uh, we did a film. Um, the back. series taking place in Kenilworth for those yes. who. Yes. yes. So, so he's, Kenilworth, he's New Jersey, originally... but there's also Kenilworth, England too. Oh, I, did, I was not aware of that. I did yeah, not that's know. You learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. um, but he... So yeah, so he's from Kenilworth and uh, we actually met on that platform, the, the Clapper platform. 
And uh, we got booked on the same project together. So we went, we shot it. And afterward, we just, you know, went to go grab a bite to eat. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, where we want our careers to go, what we have lined up for the next couple of months, you know, what, what, what we want to get accomplished. And, you know, he brought up a good question. January, uh, during, during that time of year, January is labeled pilot season. So a lot of projects are already cast. And they're now being pitched to networks to hopefully get the green light, get picked up and become the next big thing. Um, with that being said, there's not a lot of opportunity for actors and actresses to audition for anything. The auditions kind of just die out because everything is already put together. You know, they're, it's already packaged up. They're just trying to get it, you know, uh, funded. So uh, he was he was asking me basically what I do during that time of the year. You know, and I work I work part time. So. I said, you know, basically when things slow down, I just work more. You know, I just do whatever it is that I can to survive and get through, you know, the next phase, next chapter. And when the next audition comes up, take it and roll. Yeah. So he was like, well, did you ever think about maybe writing something for yourself? You know, like a skit or a series or, you know, anything like that. And I said, I don't know, I've, I've thought about it more along the lines of maybe like a YouTube thing. You know, mm -hmm. a couple, couple minute short skit in the style of like SNL, let's say. Um, you know, I don't look at, I don't, for the English speaker, Saturday, yeah. night. <laughs> Saturday night. <Live. laughs> um, you know, and I never, I never viewed myself as uh, a writer or a producer or a director or, you know, anything outside of acting. Um, I'm not a big fan of people that try to wear too many hats, you know, you too many hands, you know, you, you, you hire these people, you know, like you go, especially like, let's say in music, you know, you hire the engineer, you hire the person that does the equipment aspect and you go in and you sing or you play or cause that's your specialty. Yeah. You know, their specialty is the back end, and that's why we have these people. So, you know, I told him, I said, you know, it seems a little bit of, uh, of an undertaking, you know, I, I don't want to stress myself out too much to put too much pressure on myself. Um, but he really encouraged me. He's like, well, let, let's start small, like something super small. I said, okay. So I had this idea. I shot it out to him. I said, let's do a YouTube series of skits and let's label it the talk. And essentially what this would be would be mini episodes of two of these big mob bosses getting together for lunch or dinner at, a, you know, a staple restaurant in a, in a well-known town. And they basically just kind of discuss current events, what's going on with both their gangs and, and everything that's affiliated with that, the drugs, the violence, all that good stuff. Put a little dark humor in there. But basically, just use it as an opportunity to highlight ourselves. We would play the lead characters. And so I, I gave him this entire breakdown of stuff. He goes, all right, you know, this is, this is a great start. Let me go home and sleep on it. I'll get back to you. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go home that night. I wake up the next day. I give him a call. No answer. I shoot him a text. No answer. I, I can't get a hold of this guy for like four or five days. <laughs> so I'm like, well, what? you know, my idea must have been terrible because like he just doesn't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> it turns out he calls me on like the fifth day and he goes, uh, sorry, I've been busy. Uh, I just wanted to let you know it's done. I go, what's done? He goes, the pilot. I go, what pilot? Like, Are you talking about the YouTube thing, right? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, I got 33 pages of a pilot right now. I'm like, what? Like, what? I gave you like a very small idea and he just <laughs> ran with it. He just ran with it. He took the next four or five days writing nonstop. We had like on 33 his phone. pages. On his phone, he wrote on his phone. Which is yes, wow. he, does, he does everything on his phone. 
Um, he likes to sit in the parking lot with, in his car and he does it all on his phone. He's, he's got his own little, you know, Zen space. That's where he likes to do his work. And, uh, he just, he just went crazy with it. And he sent me over the script. I read it over and I was actually, I was blown away. I was like really, really impressed at how good it was. And I said, so where do we go from here? He goes, well, we, we got to get it out. We got to tell people what we're doing. We, so we get in touch with Talina and, uh, we met with her the following day around lunchtime. We did an article. And I think uh, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was in a few hours of the article being posted, we got like 50,000 hits. It was, it was like something wow. absurd. It, it just totally blew up. I mean, you know, Kenilworth is, is a very small town, but it's very tight knit. You know, like when things are going on, people are genuinely interested. People want to be a part of it. People want to share it. And it ended up going around from not only Kenilworth, but like four or five surrounding towns. I mean, we were getting submissions when we set up the auditions. We were getting people submitting from, you know, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, like New York, New Jersey. It was like all over. It was just like a very strange barrage of people just, you know, sending in emails. I mean, I was, I was getting upwards of like 5,000 emails a week. And I was personally sifting <laughs> through all of these because we didn't have a team. It was just me and him. So and, um, a journalist, you know, it was crazy with how many people were hitting my articles for such a small town because now you have <laughs> in LA and in New York for a town of 7,900 people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, because I was the new source. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it was it was just like i and the and the, as the days went on i was just like she selena can tell i was just so like it got worse ever i was just so overwhelmed and i'm just like we are literally two guys with an idea and a script you know like we we don't even have anything pretty much planned out yet so uh but we kept running with we had the auditions um i mean we had just to, to use an example we had the woman who played the lead role in the Jersey Boys film directed by Clint Eastwood. She wanted to audition. I mean, like, these, like people, these were not, like, no-name. These are, like, established actors and actresses trying to be a part of our project. Like, it was, it was, it totally blew me away. So we had the auditions over the course of two weeks. Uh, first round, two, three hundred, roughly, which me and Billy sat through all of them. So it was a very long day. It was like nine hours. I went to the bathroom once. <laughs> it was very, uh, it was just a very long day. And uh, we had callbacks the following week. Um, and then we had the entire cast pretty much set. This was maybe like a week or two after that final callback. And, uh, and then unfortunately, you know, coronavirus had to come and ruin everything. So, um, you know, going off the union's rules and regulations, we can't. We don't have the green light to film until right now as of September 1st. So we're right. just waiting for them to approve. Um, you know, we're taking all the precautions. You know, we're taking out insurance policies. We're, we're getting all the right forms signed. And, you know, just so when we do get to that point, no one is really kind of up in arms or second guessing, you know, the safety of, of what we're doing. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we pretty much have everything set now. We're just kind of waiting for this to pass. And uh, we're all excited to get back to work and do our thing. And uh, I have I have very high hopes for it. I'm very, very uh, optimistic. So have you got um, funding for this then? How do you, how do you 
pay for all yeah, this. So yeah, so we actually... Well, especially with these Hollywood actors coming in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. so, like, I mean, it's already online. Like, Tom Sizemore, Daniel Baldwin. Yeah. Like, you have some big ones coming to... Yeah. Well, to, so, you know. The funny thing with... with the, the biggest break we got was Tom Sizemore. Once once we got him involved, that kind of opened the floodgates to everyone else that we were getting access to. And the only reason that we got him was because, believe it or not, back to this platform, uh, Billy had uh, auditioned and won another role, and he happened to be attached to that same project. So we reached out to him via social media saying, hey, you know, just a heads up, we're going to be working together on this project. Um, yeah, I look forward to meeting you, working with you, all that good stuff. Because I actually had just written a series that would fit you very well. If you're interested, let me know. Within 24 or 48 hours, he responded. He gave us his his agent and his manager's information. He said, forward all this over to them. We'll review it. And uh, sure enough, they they went over everything and, and he was we signed him like that following week. And then because because we got access to his network, we got access to more actors, more actresses, directors, producers. I mean, this woman, uh, shout out to Diana Carter. I mean, she's just doing a tremendous job right now, like just getting the wheels on this thing and, and really rolling with it. I uh, can't thank her enough. She's, she's doing a, an amazing job. And uh, yeah, so through all that, back to what you're saying with funding, funding is always tricky because what a lot of people like to do nowadays is they'll make an Indiegogo. You know, they'll put up a post online and anyone that wants to invest, they they give perks, you know, like, oh, if the first thousand dollars, you know, first thousand people to donate ten, twenty dollars, whatever, we'll give you a T-shirt or we'll give you, you know, a poster or an autograph or whatever. Um, so we started out by trying to funding for ourselves. We, we made a bunch of T-shirts. I, I got a K-Town hat on right now. Yeah. Um, I know, we're, I know, we're, I know this is just audio, but just to describe. What but, do you think uh, say? It's, but, it's good. yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got so we, we tried to build up some merch and sell it that way. Again, we're just two guys in a small town trying to trying to make this happen. So a lot harder than we anticipated. Um, but what we actually did too was we went to for all the places that we wanted to film, all the set locations. We offered, you know, say it was a restaurant. We would say, hey, you know, if you let us film here, we'll plug your restaurant, we'll promote your restaurant. You know, any article we do associated with the show, we'll drop your name. You know, we'll do we'll do whatever you need us to do on the back end to help you bring in more business. And then when the time comes, if you can close down for a day or two, just let us go in, do our thing. Uh, so we actually got five or six restaurants to come forward and donate, you know, kind of invest. And we have one guy in particular, uh, Buffy. He owns Buffy's Tavern in Kenilworth, where a lot of the shows can be shot. You know, he offered to put some money. I mean, people were just so generous with their time and with their resources that, you know, again, it's a small town, tight knit community. You know, people want this to succeed. People like the idea. And we cast a lot of locals. Mm-hmm. You know, we cast a lot of non-actors. We cast a lot of first timers, beginners. You know, we're, we're trying to create this platform and give everyone a voice and give everyone a shot to live their dream and, and, and do their thing. So, you know, everyone just coming together like that. And uh, so it was in a matter of weeks that we pretty much got all the funding together after we spoke to everyone individually um, like I said, as of right now, everything is the green light. We're just waiting for this virus to get the heck out of here because it's all <laughs> down. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it's like literally too good to be true because I'm learning as I'm going with all of this and just to see it happen like that. I mean, most people that are listening have to understand like 
this is not how it's usually done. This is, it doesn't come together that quick. You don't get that lucky with the people that are involved and, you know, everyone just being so, so generous and so kind to offer their time and, uh, you know, ability to want to see this go somewhere. So it's, uh, yeah. it's just really, really cool. Very cool experience. It sounds very much like the way Guy Ritchie, the British director got started when he made uh, Lockstock and Two Smoke okay. Barrels. He started off with his own movie, his own script. And um, well, now he's a big, he's a big director now. So yeah, a big future waiting. Yeah. I mean, for, that's, for you. that's what we're hoping for. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, I just, you know, like I said, I think because of all the buzz right now and just all the names attached and everyone just so willing to kind of go out of their way and do what they need to do to make it happen. I mean, I think that says a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it's, we're, we're trying to showcase potential. I mean, you know, I'm sure if it were to get picked up, it'd go through a revision. I'm sure they'd want to do some recasting, you know, like, you know, all that stuff is subject to change, but I think as long as we showcase something that's of quality and shows tremendous, a lot of potential, like it's, it's a win-win. And plus for me, you know, as an actor, you look at it as regardless of, if it goes somewhere or not, you know, I'm having the opportunity to, to work alongside some of the, some of the really big names in Hollywood. I mean, you know, Tom Sizemore nominated for a golden globe. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm pretty much starting out in this and now I get to share the screen with this guy. It's, it's incredible. So at the end of the day, you know, no one will take that footage away from me, you know, always have that moment <laughs> yeah. and that experience on set, which I, I can't be, you know, more thankful for. Are you going to be in it, Selena? Actually, I told Billy, who's director writer, I said, "Look, you're getting free press from me, so I want a line. I don't care if it's hello. I don't care if you shove me. I want to be in it." <laughs> so okay. I said, "I have my headshot. I have headshots. I have a whole resume." He's like, "You're fine, Kevin. You make sure that happens. I'm going to be whatever. I'll make sure." Was <laughs> <laughs> it the crack whore or the hoochie mama waitress? Like, I'm like, I can play that. I can do it. Not that I think. <laughs> oh my god! We'll, we'll try to find something better than that for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Richard, I was like, I will post anything you want, just one line, just one. <laughs> so I was going to ask, what's it like being an actor so far away from Hollywood? But actually, it sounds like being in this community in uh, Kenilworth is is really good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, definitely in the beginning of this, I, I had the same mentality. I was like, I, I got to get I got to get over to California. I got to get over to L.A., you know, it, it, yeah. whether it took me a year or two, you know, like that was always the end, the end goal for me or what I thought. And uh, honestly, I feel like the way society is kind of changing and adapting to what's happening in the world and businesses are changing. I mean, what people don't understand the days of you know, because when I first started since going back to 2012, I mean, I was taking the train to New York City three, four days a week, you know, to physically go in and audition for things and to think about how long those days were. I'm investing all this time and money, you know, commuting, you know, only to be told thanks, but no thanks after 45 seconds. It's it's very, very brutal. It's a long um, so, <laughs> Just Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, you know, anytime I had the opportunity to do a self tape or take care of everything via email, I loved that idea because it was at the click of a button. You know, I wasn't pressed for time. I wasn't in a small room with 10 people staring at me. You know, I could really deliver a good performance 
capture that, forward it over, and then hear a yes and or no in two or three days, get a call back, do it the same format. And then, you know, a week from then, if I had booked it, I'd be on set. So, you know, it's definitely more convenient to do it that way. Hence why I love this platform that I keep talking about, um, which just gives anyone, I mean, if you have a phone, a smartphone with a camera, I mean, you could literally get a shot at being in a TV show or film. It's that, it's that simple. Um, so for me, every time I go back to Los Angeles to work, it's funny because like the less I want to live there, the less I want to, it's not, it's not the place for me. I kept telling myself that it was, and you know, that's where I needed to be to succeed. And that's where all the cool people are. And and I want to make friends and party and all that good stuff. And, you know, the more I go, it's like, it's nice. I, I work, I do my thing. But I like to come home. I'm, I'm very close to my friends and my family. You yeah. know, I, I don't like leaving them for too long. And uh, like I said, it's a nice like little vacation change of pace. But I don't know if it would be the place to kind of just like settle down at. Um, but yeah, so the truth in that is it's, you can right now essentially make it from anywhere. You know, I, it, yeah. it's, it does help if you're in New York or Los Angeles in terms of connections. And if you have to take meetings or, you know, you have to actually meet with people and stuff like, you know, to make a first impression, it helps. But um, I don't think it's the end all be all if, if for some reason you're in the Midwest or, you know, and you mm. still want a shot at doing it. Um, you're going to have to travel at some point, you know, when you start booking work and whatnot. But, uh, but when you're starting out just to get yourself out there, I mean, like I said, the, the online presence, you know, everyone is love social media. Um, Which Kevin but, does uh, not like. Apart from you, yeah. yeah so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a big actor fan. actor that does not like social media. He didn't even have a picture of, of himself on Facebook for, what, months? And you had three friends? I only made the Facebook because of the K-Town project. It was just easier to navigate getting in touch with everyone. But, you know, for me, I just, I don't know if it's just as I'm getting older, if it's like just something I, I couldn't grasp when I was younger because I wasn't mature enough. But I, I just feel like people really need to start living a life away from their phone. Like they, they need to be in the moment. They need like, you know, listen, I get it. You're going to a concert, you're going to a show, you want to take pictures, you want to take videos. That's fine. But I mean, like the whole night, like you mm. really can't just sit there and enjoy it for what it's worth and like take it in. You know, everyone is so obsessed with capturing all these amazing moments, packaging it into all these posts on social media. And everyone is now comparing their life to everyone else's highlight reel. It's unhealthy. Yeah. That is not that person's life. And, I and completely people agree. can't understand that. Like, you know, it'd be a picture of like saying, you know, me or my friend meeting a celebrity, you know, they, they aren't just hanging out with that celebrity. They either met him at an event or they happen to catch him on the street yeah. and they took a photo. You know, but people like to pretend like, oh, I'm best friends with so-and-so now. Or like, oh, I'm at this lavish party. And all like, no, like, come on. You know, people driving fancy cars. I, I, I used to valet cars. The amount of people who would say, oh, take, take a picture of me riding in this Lamborghini or this car. Come on. Like, no one's going to believe yeah. that you own this car. Like, it's just silliness. It's just silly. And I feel like, especially now with you, you have younger generations coming up. I got a niece and a nephew, uh, three turning four soon and eight turning nine. And it's just so disheartening that, you know, they want to sit in their room on an iPad all day or on their phone. Yeah. Oh, tell like, me about and it. It's like, it's like go outside, go play on the playground and scrape your knee. Get muddy, yeah. get dirty, yeah. play, Do be a kid. 
there's plenty of time for this later on in life, but not when you're, you know, when you're that young, when you're still absorbing things and learning things like it just breaks my heart because they're now people are being born into this world. You know, for me, it, it gradually became a thing as I got mm. older. I mean, I think Instagram, it's been like 10 years since Instagram's been out. You know, that was around my freshman, sophomore year, high school. You know, like I, I, I didn't really grow up with it. I kind of was introduced to it, which I'm thankful for because I can now see, you know, the positives and the negatives with it. But I just really encourage people to like, just actually like, be present in your, in your, your daily life. You know, like, listen, I get it. Like it's addicting. You know, I used to be very, very into it. I mean, in terms of the entertainment industry, you know, on Instagram, I I was hustling like nobody's business. It was, it was borderline obnoxious. I mean, I would have friends and family, you know, I, you can't post again today. I can't, I can't watch this stuff. I can't listen to this stuff. Like it's annoying, you know, because you're, you're just bothering people with useless information. It's not useless to you. The thing is, with, with social media, is what 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 gets me is I totally agree with what you're saying about people just attach too much importance to it. Getting a like on Facebook or a retweet on dopamine, Twitter, you get excited. Yeah, and apparently yeah. it's like a dopey, um, dopamine hit in the brain, and it's like, oh, I'm popular. When really. Who's clicking on these things? You know, people who you've never met or you never will. And the other thing is the um, is that bubble where people have got this opportunity to connect with the world, but they only end up like really connecting with people like themselves, so they never get to experience a different point of view. Yeah. So there's um, yeah. I, if I didn't use Facebook for work, I'm afraid I would have ditched it long ago. Gotta yeah. say, gotta say, um, it's. Yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna piggyback off that. It's frustrating too because the way we're kind of transitioning into this new era is like there's it's difficult to get around it. You know, like some jobs, like you said, or some fields, I mean, they require somewhat of an pr- online presence or you know, attach it to a business account or for a work-related yeah. thing. And you know, like for me, you know, I'm I'm hoping the day comes where, you know, I'm financially stable, I'm I'm set in my own and I'm doing the things that I love. So I can go back to a flip phone. Like, I can't, you know, like my smartphone. <laughs> I mean, I'm carrying on Nokia. in my pocket all the time. And it's invading my privacy. Like, I, I don't like that. Like, I, and it's funny because, you know, as we talk about with the entertainment stuff, you know, the more success you find, the more well-known you'll become, the more you lose out on that. So you're trying to take precaution now to, to salvage what's left of that that you can have. And move forward and live a somewhat normal life. But for me, it's like, you know, I don't, I think a lot of time people, they decide to settle into things that maybe don't necessarily make them happy. And that's where they look for that, that dopamine kick, that natural high, that thing that brings them the joy or like, you know, kind of shakes up their everyday schedule to something exciting and for me, you know, putting all this time and effort and work into pursuing a career in acting and performing arts, I mean, that's like my natural high. That's my vacation. Mm, you know, uh, everyone's yeah. like summer hits. I'm sick of work. I need a week off. If I was on a movie set for a month and a half, I mean, that, I'm on vacation for a month and a half. Like I'm doing the I know exactly that I what love. You, mean. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't have to feel like I need to escape. I'm already there. I'm already yeah. doing the thing. So it's just, you know, I, 
I rant over, but I just wanted to add to that. I know you wanted to move on to to the next thing, but I yeah, no, I to- I agree. I t- um, I've done uh, the odd little bit of acting uh, as well. In fact, I did a drama degree at uni. That was my undergrad. Um, yeah, Richard and Richard was in the band too. So, Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Lemon Corridor, we were called. Lemon uh, <laughs> <laughs> Corridor. I don't know why. I just we had this we had this big <laughs> meeting. Did you get kicked out of university for a while? You slept on your friend's couch and ate a bunch of curry for a while? What? I did what? Say that again. You you told me one time (laughs) that, like, you're like, oh, when I left uni, I think you were in Manchester or something. You're like, oh, I was in Bands and they slept on my friend's couch and ate curry for a couple weeks. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Wow. You know, living the high life. Um, Yeah, yeah. We played, we played all the great, um, all the great locations. uh, the the Crown Pub in Carlisle. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we did we we did play in London. We did play in Manchester, you know, um, and um, we did we did support a band, and they were on tour, and um, five people came to see it, and three of them are my friends. So. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere, man. So, but uh, I, I, uh, I know what you mean when you say if if I'm on a if I'm on a set, if I'm doing a bit of acting, that's that's fun. I'm being paid to do something which yeah, money out of something which is fun is um, uh, you know, it's it's hard work worth doing. I think um, you know, I've stacked shelves in Tesco, which is a supermarket over here. That's hard work. Yeah, uh, you know, being a be, being an actor is is uh, or or being in in the media, no matter what job you you, you do, because um, I've done a few different jobs in the media, um, some better than others. But it is, I I think it's a real honor. Yeah, yeah, definitely a privilege. And you think that uh, you know, back to you saying, I mean, I've worked every odd job you could ever imagine. I I mean, like whatever it took just to get by, you know, that week, that month, that year, whatever. Um, but as long as I could find, you know, one moment of, you know, I had all that clarity where like you said, I'm on the set or I'm, I'm doing the thing that I love and, and, you know, to be paid, it sounds silly. You know, it's just, it's, it's just, it is a dream come true. And you, you are very, very thankful and blessed because it could be anybody. I mean, there are so many talented people in the world, but yet you're the one standing where you're standing and, and doing the thing you're doing. And, you, you have to understand how lucky you are. And I, I know a lot of people, you know, some people don't believe in luck. You know, they believe that you make your own fate. But I mean, there are things that have happened to me in my life that were just, you know, out of my control that, you know, no matter how hard I, I wish that they were to, I mean, they, they came in such a way where, you know, maybe I didn't realize it until months later that, you know, that person that I met when I stopped for a coffee you know, I gave them two minutes of my time to talk. It turns out they happen to be a producer or, you know, and they got me a job or an opportunity or, you know, life is strange. You know, life works in such a weird way sometimes. Um, I've learned not to question it anymore. I just do what it is that I need to do and, you know, do it with kindness, with respect, you know, professionalism, um, you know, because essentially you break it down. It's very simple. You show up on time. And you deliver and, and you're, you're kind to others and you give back and, you know, all that, all that reciprocates back to you, you know, in, in good karma and stuff like that. So 
Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely agree on your point there that uh, it's, it's, a, it's an honor. Definitely is an honor. Thank you, Kevin, <laughs> for coming on our show. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you guys so yes. much for and having me. For our listeners, watch out for Fifth Bro, K-Town the Series. Uh, and if anyone... <laughs> And if anyone wants to check out what I've done, what I'm doing, and what I have coming up, um, you could search me up, Kevin Francis Brody, on uh, my IMDb page. That's where uh, most of my information is going to be posted. And, uh, again, and we'll thank you guys for so having me. And we'll have you back on when this lockdown's ended and K-Town's been Oh, yeah, well, that would be great. And yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Don't tell Billy to, uh, I had you on without him. He might get like... What? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because... I still want my role. <laughs> well, it's funny because he was like, you're going to meet me for coffee today. I was supposed to meet him at 2 o'clock. I said, uh, I said, oh, no, I, I have something going on. And he's like, what could you possibly have going on right now? I was like, I can't, I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> Top secret. Billy will have to have on the same, again, but Billy, Billy, ended up, like you, it's you know, you can't have two at the same time with like, because then Billy would go off on a whole other. He's great. <laughs> so, um, so thank you for listening to Talking Transatlantic, and and uh, anybody out there after we just totally dissed social media, if anybody does use it, uh, you can find me at Richard W News on Twitter. And Talina, what's yours again? Oh, Tales, Tales with Talina, because I really don't like Twitter. Oh, yeah, we have an email. Uh, TalkingTransatlantic at Outlook.com. Um, so, uh, and uh, Talina, as soon as anybody ever actually does get in touch with us, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> well, perfect. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha